We are now four weeks into Lent, and we're also a month into this ridiculous war in the Ukraine. And it covers me up, and I hear about it every day, and I imagine many of you are the same. It's been amazing to watch the people in Ukraine resist this aggression. And I look regularly for stories of hope coming out of that region. There are stories of hope if you know where to find them, even if they don't get as much press as some of the dramatic stories. There are stories of hope from around the world, small things that people are doing, like, for example, did you know that thousands of people have purchased Airbnb residences in Ukraine with no intent to travel, just to try and give money to the people who are there as they resist? People nearby in Poland have been coming to the train station where the Ukrainian refugees are arriving and leaving things like strollers with baby blankets for those parents who have fled with nothing but their babies in their arms. And then even in Ukraine itself, stories of small moments like in subway stations where people are hiding from the shelling and still children are sitting there with their school books, going to school and learning that true sense of hope that this is not the end. Perspective matters. Our world can seem so messy and heavy and scary unless we have the right perspective that there is something more beyond just what we see in front of us. How often do we have kind of a messy perspective ourselves? How often do we think we are a bit too busy to do a little bit of a good thing? How often do we think that so much is going wrong when really most things are going right? How often do we just stop and take stock of the good that is all around us? This is kind of the issue that we see in today's gospel story. This gospel story of the prodigal son is so well-known, perhaps one of the most well-known stories in all of scripture, that we can hear it and not let the dynamism of this story really sink in. Now, we know this story. The youngest son of a father asks for his inheritance. That means in that time, not just withdrawing from an account, that means actually splitting land, selling it off. The family itself would have had less forever because this youngest son wanted that land. That is shameful. And the people around Jesus would have heard that as shameful. And then the story goes on. This young son takes all of this, goes and wastes it, just wastes all of this money on dissolute living. That also shameful. But then he ends up in the styes with pigs. Now think about this, Jewish people with pigs, that does not go over well. And so he is there with the pigs, not only near the pigs, touching the pigs, but eating from the same trough as the pigs. This is like shame upon shame upon shame. And then he comes to his senses <clears throat> and he realizes he has nothing. And yet his father's household the slaves that work for his father have plenty of what they need. And so he decides he's going to go back. And so he's on his way back and his father sees him coming. And before he even reaches the house, his father starts running toward him. Now in this moment, elders do not run, especially the household leaders. They are never in a hurry for anything. And so the fact that this father, after having done all of this and receiving all of the shame, goes running to his son to greet him is a stunning story. And of course, we know 
that moral of this story, right, is grace upon grace upon grace. Nothing that that son could do could separate him from his father's love, and that story is beautiful. Some of us in here might identify with the younger son. But if you've ever heard me talk about this story, you know I tend to go toward the oldest son. I think the oldest son is most helpful for most of us in this room. The oldest son, who's not even named at the beginning of the story, just kind of implied if there's a younger son, then there's an older son. And so the oldest son has been doing what? All the right stuff. The oldest son has been providing honor to his family, probably in the face of so much shame from his younger brother, just pressing on and doing the good things. And then after everything the younger brother has done, the older brother sees his father run to his younger brother. Can you imagine how angry he would be? And we hear his words in the story. All of it bubbles up and he goes and he yells at his father. For all these years, I have been working like a slave for you and I've never disobeyed your command and yet you've never given me even a small goat to have a party with my friends so I may celebrate. But this son of yours, ouch, this son of yours comes back who has devoured all of your property and you kill the fatted calf for him. I can feel his pain and his anger. I can feel his voice shaking on the verge of tears. I can feel his hurt because he has done the right thing and yet his brother still gets this lavish display of grace and love. How easy it is for us when we do the right thing, when we work hard, when we are busy, to not be able to see the good right in front of us. Yeah, some of us may identify with the younger brother, but I bet most of us are with the older. I bet some of you in here even have Lenten disciplines that you're still keeping. That's how older brother you are. When we do right, most of the time, it's easy for us to begin to expect the world to be right as well. And when we see so much going wrong and so much pain and so much mess around us, we can point at that mess. Being responsible, y'all, is exhausting, right? Yep. We can feel so busy. We can feel so anxious. We can feel so tired all the time that we can miss the small, beautiful moments of grace that surround us all the time. What if we kind of in this midway point in Lent took a pause, stopped, listened, looked, actually spent energy to see what is beautiful around us. Yeah, the world is so messy and we can feel paralyzed to fix it. But here's the secret, you can't fix it. We can't fix everything that is wrong, but we can do small things. We can recognize moments of grace and we can actually be moments of grace in the world. We can leave little strollers and baby blankets in a train station for strangers we will never meet. We can go over to Bachman Lake 
and help calm a family who is so anxious and scared being in this country because they don't speak English. We can spend an hour of our time going and deliver meals to people who are shut-ins. We can spend an hour of our time on a Sunday morning reminding our own kids that God loves them completely all the time. These are small things. And we are never too busy to recognize these small moments of hope and of grace. This idea of being shocked into seeing the good around us reminds me of the first time I led a mission trip with teenagers to the Dominican Republic. I took 20 teens and adults down to the Dominican Republic and they were very excited to go on this big mission trip until we got to where we were staying down in the Dominican Republic because at that point in time, I was kind of like, yay, mission trip. And so we were staying in a cinder block building, unfinished, no windows, and we were going to be sleeping on the floor and eating DR food, which was kind of like hot soup and a little bit of stale bread. And that first night shocked my American friends. And there was a little bit of complaining about the accommodations and the food, mostly with the adults, I might add. And the next morning, all of that got put into stark perspective because we got in the van and we went to the place where we were going to be doing the work. We were going to be building a building that would become an orphanage. And when we pulled up to this very poor community and got out of the van, we heard laughing and squealing. And we looked across the street and there were kids filling this dirt lot, having the best time. And when we walked across the street to see what they were doing, we realized they were running around in this dirt lot that was uneven and full of holes playing soccer. They were playing soccer with a ball of trash. They had literally wrapped trash into a ball and they were playing in the dirt and they were filled with pure joy, not a care in the world, having the best time. And all of a sudden, those hard floors and food that wasn't just right was put into stark perspective. There's so much beauty around us, so much hope that we can see if only our eyes are adjusted to seeing the good. There is joy, deep joy all around us in each of our lives. We are coming close to Holy Week. We are coming close to remembering just how much God loves us, loves us enough to die for us. We are nearing the moment when we remember that the darkness and the pain and the heartbreak, even death itself, is not the end and will not win. That, that is the truest sense of joy and hope. That is God's gift to us, that nothing in this world, no pain, no fear, can ever overcome the truth of God's complete love. Every day, God is trying to remind us of the truth of that joy. God is pouring grace over us. God is trying to get our attention with moments of beauty. So take a minute and look around. Find those moments of hope, of beauty, of joy, and let that grace seep into you make you grateful for the gift of this life and maybe encourage you to do just a small act to share that hope with those you know and those you don't.
Amen.